0: Have you ever heard of an artist named Mr. Bill? What about a guy named Ankle Pants? If you answered yes to either of those questions, you're probably a pretty cool person by now. If not, allow me this opportunity to educate you. Welcome to the first ever, but far from last episode of Uniquity Over Ubiquity, the show where we break down what it means to become an artist while still maintaining originality individuality, and your own version of reality. I'm your host and creator of the show, Kyle Parker. A little about myself, I am a tech geek that loves to write comedy and dabbles in music production. A couple of years ago, I attended an online course with the Second City Comedy School in Chicago. The class was based on writing a podcast, and by the end of it, our final project ended up being a full episode. That's how Uniquity Over Ubiquity came to be. In this episode, we have probably the most interesting way to start a show of this sort. The weirdness in these two artists is as exponential as their workload. We interviewed Mr. Bill, an Australian musician, DJ, and producer from New South Wales, Sydney, Australia. He currently lives in Denver, Colorado, and is a pulse in the music scene out there and internationally. His followers on Facebook, the Bill Legal Immigrants, are an active and kind community following in the steps of Mr. Bill himself, who has his own Discord, Twitch, and YouTube channels, where he delivers seemingly unlimited knowledge through his tutorials and guides on how to make music just like him. When he isn't doing that, he's doing AMAs on Reddit and delivering crunchy, twisted sounds through a multitude of projects, albums, and shows. For those of you who haven't heard of Mr. Bill, I'm going to go ahead and play a couple of tracks for you right now so you can get a taste of what he's like. The first track I'm going to play is called Slate from his 2014 album Settling for Mediocrity. The next song I'm going to play is called Apophenia from his 2018 album Apophenia. I first met Bill outside of Cervantes at a show. It was at this same place that I watched him host a class with the Slam Academy the day before I interviewed him. After some rigorous appointment setting, I finally sat down with Bill in his studio in Colorado. When I walked in, he was playing with a metal contraption with springs and clamps on it. In the interview, he mentions the creator, Crank Sturgeon. I did some research online and found out that the device is called a Multi-Plunk Pocket LAN. It was based on this alone that I knew it was going to be an interesting interview. After getting past the awe of this contraption, I got down to talking with him about Ricard Farshay, creator of the musical project Ankle Pants. Ankle Pants is a dick faced electronica animatronic making super artist. And I don't mean dick faced as an insult. With a robotic, mutation slinging dick on his face, he makes sounds so interesting that it only makes sense that he would inspire an artist such as Bill to make music. In what is probably a rare occurrence for this show, these two artists have actually made a song together, which I'm going to play for you right now. Here's Proclamation by Ankle Pants and Mr. Bill. Now to avoid any legal troubles and out of respect for ankle pants, I'm not going to play any more songs that feature him just because I haven't gotten his permission. Now, enough out of me. Let's get down to the interview and figure out what it takes to make yourself a unique artist in today's day and age. So today we're talking with Mr. Bill, who is quite uh, an intricate artist, likes to make things uh, with a lot of detail, Uh, just just a great artist. We're going to be talking to him about one of the artists that inspired him, which was Ankle Pants. Um, A very interesting artist for me to stumble on and very interesting person to witness and have happened to me. Let's just put it that way. Um, So I'm going to start by saying, uh, what is the thing that
1: drew you the most to this artist? Um, Well, I mean, he's got like that crazy mask and stuff like that, you know, with the the big dick on it, Um, which is obviously when you see that, it's kind of... um, I mean, it brings up many different feelings. You're kind of like, "What the fuck is this? Like, wh- who is this guy? What's he doing?" And, um, but where my mind went when I seen that, for most people, they're just like, "Huh, oh, lol, a dick," you know, like, and and they just kind of think that it's like, um, you know, a funny thing or whatever. But where my mind goes when I see something like that is like, "How the fuck did that even come about? Like, how how do you make that?" So I like became friends with him just through like mutual friends and stuff. Uh, even though I kind of like knew of his work before that and then found out that actually he's a prosthetics technician and he works for movies like star wars and shit and like x-men and and all that kind of shit at least i believe he's worked on those movies he's worked on like some quite large projects doing that stuff and that's like his main bread and butter i think like for work and uh and inside of that mask like after i met him and started hanging out with him more i realized that like inside that mask there's like tons of tech like there's servo motors and shit to make the dick move and like you know a fucking system to like make sperm come out of the thing and like all sorts of crazy shit so I, I don't know like i just found that whole thing impressive and then um watching how his set works like he he's running basically his whole set almost out of max msp and just like he's such a high level technical yeah. dude but the facade of the whole thing is such a joke so i find it to be like this huge contrast where people are just like oh that's like hilarious that's fucking stupid but like really the amount of work that went into it is like tenfold of what any other artist has done with their sets and shit and with their live shows, basically, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Pretty crazy to think, like, okay, well, this is kind of a joke, but then when you really get down to it, it's pretty serious, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So he seems to really enjoy the shock value of what he does. Um, What do you think the weight of a decision like that is, and what made you decide to not be as much of a out there kind of person where like you're kind of making
1: shock value like how, how did you go around that? Um, so like in terms of the shock value, I don't think he, he's intentionally like going for that. I think he's just building this mask because he thinks it's like I don't know maybe funny or maybe I don't know interesting or whatever. Um, I think it's also kind of like a satirical piss take on like electronic musicians. He's saying we're all dickheads, you know, maybe, I don't know. But um, I know that it frustrates him a bit from co- conversations that I've had with him. He's kind of like fucking like it's annoying that, that this thing, it kind of gets in the way of people being able to really appreciate what I'm doing because it's so like what he's doing is so technical, but people just get stuck on the fact that there's a dick on his face. Yeah. And they just like that's they can't even get past that barrier, so like they don't get to really experience how fucking good he actually is. Um, and I and I think he he gets frustrated with that, so I don't think he like enjoys the shock value as much as it frustrates him these days. Um, but I've told him before, um, that I think it's like your duty as an artist, if you want to be appreciated for the tech value of your music, to make people aware of that how how techy it is which is why i do tutorials it's like par- partially the reason is because i want to be able to like you know show people this is what goes into my music and therefore it can like maybe help them like get on a different level of appreciation for it too because if you just listen to the music and you have no idea how it was made and it's a bunch of random glitch sounds there's a good chance you might just be like oh it's fucking random this guy's a bad songwriter whereas if you've seen how it was made maybe you'd appreciate it more sort of like um that stuff that Seraphin was going through in the workshop last night he was going in um he was going on about like how people were extracting rhythms and whatnot from other sources. But if you just listened to the music first and didn't realize that that's how they were making it, you'd just be like, these rhythms are fucking com- complicated and stupid and they don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And it just sounds like weak songwriting. Um, when really it's not weak songwriting, it's just experimental songwriting. Yeah. A similarity that I noticed between you two
0: is that you seem to produce an insane amount of content. And I got to wonder what your secrets are to generating so much and keeping track of it all. Are you superhuman or just really good at time management?
1: Um, Yeah, I would just say good at time management. I don't think at all that I'm like superhuman. I think I've got like good work ethic, you know, like I'll wake up and even if I'm hungover as shit and like don't really feel like working or, you know, feel like crap and I'm tired or whatever, like I'll still go to work. And by that, I mean, come to the studio and start working. Um, And also, like, I had a lot of faith in what I was doing from the get-go. I always, like, uh, have thought what I was done. (laughs) I've always thought what I I do is kind of interesting, at least to me. And in that case, it's like I didn't want to hedge any other bets on any other shit. I was just like, fuck it, music's, like, the thing that I'm doing. And that's, like, I'm just going to do it full time from day one, basically. And I was lucky to be able to do that because I had parents that were, like, supporting me and, like, allowing me to live at their house and stuff like that. So I didn't really have like rent to pay and shit like a lot of people do. So so I had nothing but time, and so I was just like, yeah. spent all my time doing this. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think like a lot of the content that's coming out these days is um, like I got I just got really fast with my workflow and stuff like that. And um, so it, like physically takes me like half the time to write a track that that does for somebody else because I'm just quicker at editing and stuff. You know where you're going. Yeah, yeah. Um. So so that's a definite like benefit to it but i think um yeah just time management i think if if you can like set aside like three focused hours a day to work on music you'll get a track done every week for sure and then you know if you're getting 52 tracks done a year it's 52 weeks in the year so what's that three albums a year that's that doesn't seem unmanageable if you're doing it full-time right it's it seems like a lot of artists they put out like four five tracks a year maybe even one single a year and, and it blows my fucking mind that they can work that slow um, I have one project that's kind of slow, Electricado, where we do about four tracks a year. We do, we do about an EP every year. And the only reason we're so slow is because we live in different continents and it's like hard to keep up because we're both touring so hard and we both have our own projects, which we're working full time on. And we still manage an EP a year. And that's, as far as I'm concerned, extremely slow. <laughs> Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I think I, it actually blows my mind how slow some artists are. To me, it just says that they're just not that into producing, I guess, because if you're doing it or or maybe they're just being really selective about what they put out, I, I would, that would be giving them the benefit of the doubt. I don't feel like that's the case. Um, yeah, I don't know.
0: It seems the mask and its musical capability were designed by a merging of hobbies. Ricard had a pretty decent understanding of electronics and motors from playing with remote control cars is there another hobby you have that you would be able to blend with your music?
1: Um, I mean, I was into electronics a little bit when I was younger, um, but and I I guess I could blend that with my music if I got into like building my own Eurorack modules or building stuff like this. Um, yeah, this guy, his name is Crank Sturgeon, and he just makes these weird little instruments. I mean, maybe that could be a thing. Um, for me, it's like my hobby is basically I, I guess I already do kind of combine them because like one of my hobbies is video games and the other one is Ableton. And so the skills that I get from video games, like being fast and good with a mouse and shit like that, just translates into being fast at Ableton and fast with the computer in general. So I think in some ways, maybe the hobbies are already blending, not to the degree that they are with maybe someone like Uncle Pence, where it's like a direct thing that like you can see, he can be creative in a different way. Um, I just don't think I have any hobbies like that that are that conducive to mixing with music is, uh, that much.
0: Ankle Pants is definitely a one-man band in every sense of the word. Do you ever consider yourself a one-man band in any way, or do you categorize what you do differently?
1: Um, I think that like all artists, or, or all producers, rather, are kind of one-man bands, because you produce everything from the ground up uh, you would hope like you write all the drum parts, you write all the bass parts and all the, you do all the editing, you do all the sound design, you do like pretty much everything. Well, you would hope if you're not, not just rinsing splice sounds or something like that. But um, yeah, for the most part, I feel like most artists in that sense are a one man band. You're kind of orchestrating this whole thing to happen. So, I mean, he is a little more so because like of the instruments he's designed and stuff. Like he has crazy microphones and accelerometers in suits and shit like that that can kind of really um you know make the like really tweak the music and and do all this weird shit that like it's not super possible without the gear that he specifically built to do that so in that sense he he's definitely like more of a one-man band um but i think to some degree it's the scale you know on the scale of maybe a dj to ankle pants there's like you know everything in between
0: i don't get as jarring of an impression from his music as i do his appearance do you feel he's actually trying to be controversial with it or just kind of trying to get his foot in the door
1: as a unique artist I mean I think he's already got his foot well in the door as a unique artist like he's already um, revered in like the IDM scenes because he's released music with I think labels like detuned and um, uh, like the Detroit underground label and, and uh, you know he's worked with like some pretty big artists and a lot of big artists definitely have like shouted him out and stuff on socials and um, oh yeah so i think his foot's in the door and no i don't i don't think he's trying to be controversial i think like he's just trying to be funny or he was now it's kind of like the dick face thing is maybe just to him normal because he sees it every day or whatever so um to me i don't think like he's trying to be controversial at all i think he's just trying to be like the most honest artist that he can be and, and trying to do the most creative shit that he can and he's doing a great job of that um But, yeah, I think for a lot of people it is controversial just because it's, like, confronting, you know, like, sexuality in Western society and probably Eastern too is, like, you know, some real guarded thing, especially because of, like, Christianity and stuff like that and and all that kind of stuff. So I think, like, when someone's on stage, like, commanding shit with, like, a fucking giant dildo on their face that, like, is, like, crafted in such a way that it looks so grotesquely real and, like, you know, it's... I mean, it's something else like when you see the show because you know, everybody is just kind of like in awe of it and stuff. Um so it is definitely controversial. I don't think he necessarily like meant for it to be that way initially though. I'm not 100% on that though.
0: I agree it is uh definitely very graphically accurate. Um and uh jarring at first, but once you kind of get past that the music is pretty impressive. It seems like with artists like him pushing the envelope of being different, there is massive competition in the world of music. I feel growing every Uh, generation how do you strive to be different and establish yourself as someone unique essentially how did you find your dick mask um i think that like
1: if you just make everything from scratch like he does as well you know he made his costume from scratch and he also makes all these sounds and his music from scratch like in the sense that he's not using stuff from sample packs really and, and all that kind of stuff and like he's he's going out of his way to source interesting instruments as i am as well to try and like you know be ahead of the curve on sound design and and musicality and all that kind of stuff like he's he's using a lot of like crazy um eastern stringed instruments and uh just stuff that isn't easy to source he's just got tons of stuff like ouds and lutes and shit like that um so i think like he he's doing it in that way and I'm doing it in a similar way and I think that's kind of the only way to do it with this kind of stuff when you're a producer if everyone's using serum and everyone's using splice sounds everyone's just going to sound the same and that probably makes sense because it's like such a high reward for sounding the same at the moment like if you sound the same as everybody else you get all the shows you know apparently that's how it works Um, I guess you have to be like a little different and a little unique but there definitely isn't much reward for sounding totally and utterly unique so I think to do that you also have to have like a bit of bit of thick skin as well to be able to be okay with not like you know playing all the sick clubs and shit because you don't make rhythm or whatever
0: it it is a something that i struggle with too i'm trying to figure out you know do i want to appeal to the masses or do i want to like just make what i want to make because i know that you're going to have to hand it off somewhere at some point to make that change so you both started on a different continent than america but have gained a lot of traction in america with the internet spreading info and art worldwide, do you think that was a choice for either of you? Did you have to try to make that happen or did America just kind of pick it up?
1: Um, I think for me, I had to like really try hard to get into America. Like I had to, I had a manager and he was like, you have to move here. And at the time I was like, that's a pretty big thing. Like moving from Australia to like another country and like leaving my family and all my friends and shit. But I was like, oh, if I want to like try and do it, then I then I'll do it. And I've been doing nothing but like grinding out in the studio and grinding out like shows and shit for the last three, four years now here. And I feel like I'm only just starting to be able to, you know, sell out consistent three hundred person rooms and stuff around the country, which is like, um, and not not even selling all of them out even. It's 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 tough, man. Like, it definitely is like not easy. I feel like to to just be able to jump into a new market and just be like yeah I'm fucking selling tickets here now and I'm doing good he doesn't like necessarily sell everything out either it's kind of like we're sort of like getting there I think in America but it's going to take some time I think people are just becoming more and more accepting of weird shit too so I think it's only going to get better and better
0: yeah I would I would actually credit festivals to doing that bringing people together you know because we even had something like Tomorrow World over here which brought kind of that European vibe from tomorrow land you know like we're definitely starting to expand and i think that i think the internet is helping with that for sure he seems to put out and make whatever comes to his mind some of it is very close to traditional music and other songs from him are very experimental do you have a more structured approach to it or do you allow yourself to release more experimental stuff to the public
1: um i pretty much release whatever i finish to the public so i don't like put a cap on if something's too weird or not um I think that should just be the I mean, like I said earlier, maybe some artists are like a little more selective about how they want to present themselves and stuff because you know, they don't want to like lose fans or, or like trigger fans by like you know tilting them with a new sound or something like that. Um, for me personally, I, I think it's like important to to just be honest about who I am as an artist because it, to me that feels like the easiest thing to do. Like if I got big doing this, I would be comfortable still doing what I'm doing. Whereas if I got big doing something that wasn't really true to me, well, then what? Like I'm fucking stuck having to be this person that I'm not or reverting to who I actually am and then all the fans lose interest or something. So it's like, it just seems too complicated to like bother with that (laughs) for me personally. But yeah.
0: Okay. So he discusses the technicality of music, um, always tricking the listener's brain into thinking it's hearing something new. How do you try to make sure that you incorporate that into your music, or make sure that that's happening?
1: Um, I just like change the the patterns that I'm working on, like every eight bars to sixteen bars. I just constantly am like writing new sections and stuff like that. I think with um uh, with ankle pants though, he's he does a lot of like progressive automation stuff where like it changes over time and and kind of morphs into something else. Whereas I'll just like rigidly jolt into something else, you know, from one thing to another. And I, I like the way that he does it a lot. And I definitely think that it definitely has that uh, that effect of like making you feel like you're always hearing something else which new, which is really cool.
0: He said he plans to make Ankle Pants into a full band at some point. Do you have these intentions with Mr. Bill or any of your other projects? Yeah, so
1: I already did this with the Mr. Bill project. I had like a whole visual show and like a drummer and stuff like that. Um, and I canned it because like it ended up that I lost like a lot of money doing that tour because like even though the tour was selling okay there was like people coming out to all the shows and stuff like that it just wasn't like enough to to make enough money to con- continue doing it so i'm kind of comfortable at the moment now with just being in the studio for the most part writing tunes and then just taking taking my tunes out and playing them for people and if they like them that's cool and if they don't then fucking i don't give a shit <laughs> and um i like the fact that like video art is becoming like a big thing now so you don't like having the band on stage and, and having a drummer on stage it's like really cool to see a bunch of people playing and, and it like becomes maybe more visually engaging but now the video art's the thing it's like you can just DJ and have like a bunch of sick video shit going on behind you and that's also pretty engaging to look at too especially if the sound is really like big and clean and the led wall is like super bright and the video artist is really sick you know like Steve Haman or you know, Jonathan Singer or Android Jones mm-hmm. or something like that um but yeah I think um I, I might do it again one day if it seems like it might be feasible again, but I definitely think uh, Ankle Pants' thing will be way cooler because he's such a good musician. Like he's actually a really talented guitarist and really, just really talented person. Like he's he's always been in bands and shit that were like really techy, progressive sort of bands. Um, so yeah, I think if he did that, it would be fucking pretty sick.
0: Yeah, that's the one thing that I noticed about him. He is super technical and really, really gets his stuff. Uh you know, uh, it's, it's very detailed and I I can't imagine what that would be like to, for him to orchestrate something like that. It said that his boiler room set was pretty monumental and really helped launch his name. Do you have a set that you remember that launched you more than any
1: other? Um, there's been a few, I think like every now and then I'll do like a festival and the set will go really well. And everybody who who's there will like really enjoy it. Um, and then people will be like, I'll notice that people will bring it up and talk about it for like next year or something like that. Like, I'll just consistently get messages where they're like, oh, hey, I seen you at this place and that was fucking sick, like more so than a club show or something where I just like will hear about a m- couple of messages the next day, like, hey, you were sick last night in this city and then like I won't hear about it again. Yeah. Um, and a few of those have been like Sonic Bloom in 2014. It seemed like people really got into this, to that there. Um, Resonance this year, I haven't like stopped hearing about that one. <laughs> yeah, people just for some reason seem to be like stoked on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a couple of, of stuff things like that where people like will see me at a place and just think that it's really sick for some reason, more so than every other show. I'm not sure why. It's a maybe just like a bunch of things just coming together and time wise, like really nicely. Like people are just on the right level for what I was about to do that no- that night or something, and then they're all just like I don't know, just matched up nicely or something I'm not really sure it's really interesting
0: to think about the things that must go into a large group collectively enjoying a set and, and unanimously talking about it that way so I'm going to ask you a couple of final questions here these are just you know a little bit about you if you were going to show someone ankle pants what
1: would you show them um, I reckon check out Pollen, his his new album, or it's I think his second last album. He put like this other album out just after that, which was like all new shit. Um, I would say Pollen is a really sick one and also Speak Your Little Facehead, um, which has got this weird video clip that he made for it like back in the day. Both of those songs I think are really cool. Pollen is really cool because it's like got that crazy like bent out of tune analog Aphex Twin kind of vibe and Speak Your Little Facehead is just like classic old ankle pants club music that that i just haven't gotten sick of yet i think it's pretty like super simple and the sound design is like uh pretty interesting in my opinion but um yeah i don't know it's just written in such a way that i find it like has a lot of re-listen value
0: i know that this is uh the number one issue that i've had with getting this podcast out to other artists is they have a hard time picking the artists that they feel inspired them because you can't really narrow it down to just one so were there a couple of others that you wanted to mention but then you ultimately decided on ankle pants and if so who were they
1: yeah well I was mainly just thinking about technical artists because it's like you know you you were saying like oh you want to talk about an artist's career and like how they've sort of done it and you know how you can relate that to your career and what you find interesting and stuff and i was thinking about like a lot of people whose music i like but they just do it on a laptop with a pair of headphones and like the whole story just goes like yeah they got a laptop one day and downloaded a crack of Ableton and now they're really good at it somehow because they watched a bunch of youtube tutorials and now they're just huge and like that's the story <laughs> whereas like i felt like it would be more interesting to talk about someone who's actually doing some like really in-depth shit yeah yeah and um, the other ideas I have were maybe just people like, you know, in the IDM scene, like the Flashbulb or Aphex Twin or Square Pusher or pe- people like that. Um, but I don't really know as much about their careers. Like I know their music really well and I know a little bit about like how they kind of came to be, but I'm not like as familiar with them as uh, Anklepants, who's a personal friend of mine. So I figured, And at the same time, it gets, like, his name out to some other people too because maybe a bunch of people listening to this podcast have never heard of him, and and I feel like they should. Maybe if they're a fan of my music, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think that's one of the ultimate points also of this show is to constantly be generating interest in other artists on top of the artists that I'm talking about. Like, I didn't – I had no idea who this artist was before I talked to you. I think I had, like, heard the name, and I'm almost positive, like, I have a flash memory of seeing that face on, like, some show. But – um. To talk about it was was pretty interesting, and to to learn more about it was amazing. Yeah, and and I was actually about to talk about this next, uh, this this picture of you two, which I'll post on the Facebook page. This picture of you two in a bathtub. In what is that? Is that cereal? Fruit loops. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck yeah. I love Fruit Loops. It's like my one of my favorite cereals. Um, and and this is I think promoting your song, that you guys did together, yeah. and it's called Proclamation or okay yeah so so do you want to tell me a little bit about how that
1: went down yeah so so he's been friends of my friends with me for a long time and he he came over to the states to i think do some shows or just hang out in 2015 and um he stayed in denver for like a week and i was living there and had had a spare room so he came and stayed at my house and then uh, we wrote this tune and then did a photo shoot in my bathtub and um and that was the cover for it um all the artwork from uh, Pollen is all in Colorado. He like got naked out in the woods with a photographer and took a bunch of photos. And
0: <laughs> well, Mr. Bill, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about this. Um, this has been an interesting experience to say the least, and I didn't expect anything less from you based on what your music sounds like. Is there anything that you want to plug before we get off the interview? Uh, anything that you got coming up or things that you want us to have our attention
1: drawn to? Yeah, so um, I have just put out um, the Mum and Dad soundtrack, which is a Nicolas Cage movie that I scored. That came out on Mousetrap. Um, that's out on my Spotify. It's like one of the top things. Uh, Apophenia, the single's out now, uh, but the full album is going to be out on December 14th, um, which is 2018, if you're listening in 2019. Um, so, yeah, just those two things, I guess. uh also, yeah, I've just been putting out a bunch of collabs. I just put out a a collab with Sodown called Eskimo, but you have to actually scroll right down to the bottom of my Spotify to get to it because I'm only marked as a collaborator on this tune. But, okay. yeah, there's that too. But, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff going on at the moment, M- mainly Mousetrap stuff. I just put a collab out with Dead Mouse too that that needs any more fucking attention so yeah that's that's the main couple of things that i've been doing at the moment
0: well cool i really appreciate you coming out thank you so much and uh for all you listeners i hope that you found out about two very interesting artists and how they came to be you guys have a good one so there you have it a truly interesting way to start this equally interesting show although i can't provide more clips of ankle pants his music can be found on spotify soundcloud bandcamp and youtube you can also find more info about him and his instruments at R-E-E-C-A-R-D F-A-R-C-H-E.com or on his Instagram at AnklePants. Mr. Bill can be found on Facebook, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, YouTube, and many other platforms under Mr. Bill's Tunes. Also check out his instructor website where he teaches people about Ableton at live.mrbillstunes.com without the punctuation. I hope this has been as informative for all of you as it has for me with this show. I feel we are able to learn the inner workings of what it takes to be an artist. You can find this podcast and all episodes of it on anchor.fm, Apple podcasts, breaker, Google podcasts, overcast, pocket casts, radio, public, Spotify, and stitcher. Stay on the lookout for our upcoming mini-sode where we reveal our next guest. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next month.